This episode is sponsored by Moving Beyond the Page Homeschool Curriculum, How Children Want to Learn. Learn more at www.movingbeyondthepage.com. Welcome to the Savvy Homeschool Moms Podcast, episode number 60. In this episode, the moms share the second and final half of their interview with Julie Bogart, founder and owner of the language arts and writing curriculum, Brave Writer. <laughs> Honey, where's my glasses? Mom, mom, can I have a drink? Why is the dog wearing a tutu? Where are my shoes? Mom. Honey, is this one of your science projects in the fridge? Mom, I'm hungry. I'm Tina. I'm Becky. And we're the, the Savvy Homeschool Moms. So Tina, what's the time code this week to skip to the end of our chit chat? 36 minutes, 49 seconds. So Becky, what have you guys been up to? Well, we went to homeschool day at the Monterey Bay Aquarium back on, what, the 17th. I think it was a Tuesday. <laughs> and we had so much fun. We went with um, Tiffany and family. <laughs> and the best part about going with Tiffany and family is we go to um, Los Banos, which is a little town right off the highway. For those of you who don't know California very well, it's like right um, before you hit the hills going uh, towards the coast. And um, we switch kids. she takes the girls and we take the boys or yeah i think that we've always done it that way she takes the girls and we take the boys and then it reduces car time fighting because (laughs) the girls like being together the boys like being together it works well and because we just switched kids if one of us arrives at the aquarium early like dean and i always seem to we can get it we can get her kid in on our ticket you know so uh, yeah, so that's kind of cool. Um, so we went, and um, as usual, first thing the boys had to go find the person with the moon jellies. There's always somebody right in the front of the aquarium with a little jar of moon jellies. Oh really? And, yeah, yeah. So they're they're they had to go hunt them down while we waited for the girls to arrive. It took them a little longer. Funny. I've never noticed that, and I've been there several times too. How funny! Um, I think the reason. Oh, I know the reason that we got there before Tiffany this time is we completely forgot to stop at Casa de Fruta. Oh, which. Uh, it's because I I was reading The Martian by Andy Weir, like the new, it's a new Matt Damon movie, but I wanted to read the book first. Oh, and right. I was so enthralled in the book, I completely forgot to tell Dean to turn off. Oh, no. <laughs> and we just zoomed straight past it. And at one point I looked up from the book and I went, where's Casa de Fruta? And he's like, I don't know, like 20 minutes back there. And I'm like, oh, we were supposed to stop. Oh, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> so Tiffany and Sarah and Danny had a good time at Casa Fruta and we just oh yeah I always stop there too. That's a fun place to stop for people who are not familiar with it. It's this really neat kind of a rest stop area with God. They have all kinds of stuff there. Tons of f- cool food, yummy stuff. But they also have like a train and a and a playground and what all God. They have all kinds of stuff peacocks. there now. Peacocks. We always go and check out the peacocks and um, they had a the- gold panning, although they never have it open when we're there, but. Yeah, I don't think they've ever had it open when we were there. And they have a carousel, too. But last time we were there, the carousel was closed. But They have a good restaurant there now, too, that I was we never checked out before. The last time we were there, they had a, a really yummy restaurant, uh, like deli uh, sandwiches type stuff that we had never checked out before that we checked out the last time we were there. I was like, oh, was this here before? We never noticed it before. It was really <laughs> good sandwiches. 
My favorite part is Casa de Candy. I like to go stop there <laughs> and, and pick up some yeah, chocolate-covered gummy bears or something for the trip. Because oh, yeah. um, this is—it's it, our yearly thing. We go to the aquarium pretty much every year for homeschool day, and we just always have a great time. And this time we were um, in the uh, cephalopods. Cephalopods? Is that right? Octopus area. Yeah. 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 I got it right first try. Good. Okay. And I didn't even have it in the notes. Um, we were in the <laughs> cephalopod area and there was a little animal, a little like slug like thing in one of the tanks. And you know, normally at the aquarium, you look in the tank, you find the animal and next to it, there's like a card that says, this is a such and such. And you learn all about it. Right. Well, this little animal had no card. Uh-huh. And so I did what any, you know, technology person would do. I took a picture of it and tweeted it to the aquarium and said, what is this? <laughs> And I tell you what, 10 minutes, I had an answer back of what it was. Yeah, Ah. just that fast. I love technology. And while we were there, we were able to set up a thing where if something extra was going on that wasn't in the program, like there was a whale sighting, if you sign up for it, then while you're at the aquarium that day, they will send you text messages when extra stuff is going on. So I signed up for it while I was there that day, and I got a text message, whales have been sighted over... um, on the, you know, the beach side. Right. And so we all went running over there and I, I did my first periscope. I saw that. And of um, course the whales did not make a Whales <laughs> make made zero appearance. Um, <laughs> it was so disappointing. But I had a really good viewership. So if you're listening and you were watching my periscopes that day, thank you so much. You feel so much better about, you know, um, trying this new technology out. And um, well, people enjoyed people the view. what your uh, username is on periscope. Uh, I think I was periscoping under Spooky Girl. I think so. Yeah, I'll, I'll warn you though that that Twitter account isn't necessarily um uh does not necessarily reflect the the views of the Savvy Homeschool Moms. <laughs> <laughs> not always child friendly. <laughs> <laughs> no, and not always child friendly. Yes, um, I do. I've had my Spooky Girl account for a lot, lot, lot longer than I've had this um this online persona of a homeschool mom. So, um, in my defense, I'm not always kid friendly. Um, I think it says right on it, uh, controversial or something like that. I try to warn people. But when I periscope, they are not controversial. Right. Um, I did four periscopes, I think, total from the aquarium. And all of them had really good viewership. And hopefully people enjoyed them. And I had fun making them. And my daughter made fun of me for talking to people who weren't there. (laughs) Did you catch them? Did you make a catch account to save them? I did, yeah. I think uh, that's where I saved them. I mean, that's where I watched them. Catch.me slash spooky girl. Yes. Yeah, catch and I'll, catches with a K. I'll put the I'll put the link in the show notes yeah. if anybody wants to see me flailing and oh and at one point when I was doing the deep sea, I accidentally flipped the camera around. <laughs> and you accidentally <laughs> showed your face. Oh <laughs> No, it was seriously it was because you can tell at first that I really didn't mean to do it because it's only me from like my nose up. <laughs> like <laughs> But I also was very thankful. You know that when you accidentally flip the camera and you look like Jabba the Hutt? Uh, I, yeah, I was... because it's always angled wrong when you first flip it. Right. So I was super pleased that I did not have the Jabba the Hutt look going on. No. <laughs> it was just like from, but yeah. So at one point you can see me flailing going, oh no, because I, I don't, because I don't know how I flipped the camera around. I didn't you realize that when you double it, click, yeah. it flips it. Yeah. Because um, I was learning how to use it. <laughs> oh, I know. It doesn't really make it clear. I had to figure, I had to have people, people had to tell me in mine. <laughs> They're like, double tap. I'm like, oh. 
Yeah, people who know what they're doing, you know, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, so I have some really cool periscopes if you want to check them out. And I will put the link in the show notes so you can see that. And um, that was fun. And then soon after that, on Friday night, I had my birthday party. Now, I originally planned my birthday party when my husband was supposed to be on vacation. And then his vacation got changed, but I couldn't change the birthday party. So it turned out it was just me and and three girlfriends. And you missed out on Doctor Who night. Uh, yes, I did miss out on it. No, actually, no, that was Saturday night. I'm talking about Friday night. Oh, Friday night. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. Friday night. Um, my actual birthday uh, was right. Doctor Who night. Yes. Yes. But I was home with my husband and, you know, um, spending time with him because uh, he was gone all day on my birthday. He right. went down to his mom's. But anyways, back to Friday night. So Friday night, um, Courtney and Tiffany and Angela came over, which are all um, mutual friends of Tina and mine. And, um, and we played Cards Against Humanity mm. and um, had a blast. And I created a new, um, very alcoholic punch. And um, it was a blast. And I, I'm sad that Dean couldn't be there. But at the same time, it was kind of cool just having the girls and all of our yeah. children, of course. <laughs> I, had, I think we had like seven children rampaging around the house, <laughs> uh, which for this house is quite a bit. Uh, that's quite a few kids for this tiny little house. And um, <laughs> it was a blast. And we had fun. And then Saturday... It was my birthday birthday, but I knew that Dean wouldn't be home during the day because he went down to his mom's. And then the, we, that night we just hung out. We watched Doctor Who, like oh. regular Doctor Who, Doctor Who. But it was the Face the Raven, I think, wasn't it? Horrible episode to have on your birthday. Yeah. But we won't spoiler it for anybody who's listening. Correct. We will not spoiler it. But, but I was um, watching it going, oh, crud on Becky's birthday. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we won't spoiler it. <laughs> <laughs> You're already, well, you can't have gotten to today without, you know, knowing a little bit about what happened, I suppose. But anyway, moving yes. on. Yes, <laughs> moving on. So, and I did miss Doctor Who night at um, the UU church, and hopefully you guys had a blast, and, um, but I had a good time at home, just me and, and the fam, so. Um, I started crocheting gifts for Yule. I'm excited. I, I um, created, uh, I know Angela doesn't listen to the podcast, so it's safe to talk about. Um, I got Angela some of those EOS um, lip balms, the round ones, oh, the wow. balls, for um, her birthday. And then I thought, well, you can't really, these things are a pain to carry in your pocket, you know, and what are you going to do with them? So I created a pattern for a little bag that you can hang <laughs> like on the outside of your purse or whatever that holds the little lip balms. Aww. Cool. Yeah. So um, I just decided to go with a lip balm theme this year. So I'm <laughs> I'm, uh, Danny and I are going to be making lip balms and I'm going to be making cases for the lip balms and it's going to be fun. And so if you're going to get a Christmas present for me and you're listening, you'll probably get a lip balm. <laughs> 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 and I had a migraine on Thanksgiving. Aww. Yeah. Well, I don't really celebrate Thanksgiving anyways. Yeah, I was going to so say. Like, not really my thing, but I really hadn't planned on spending the entire day home alone sleeping. Right. But it worked out well um, because Dean and the kids went down to um, Grandma's house and um, I stayed here and pretty much slept all day. And, and like I said, like like most of the people who um, um, ate turkey, they yeah. sleep anyways. So yeah, right. I pretty much did the same thing. All the overeaters. <laughs> right. And, um, but I, I got better. I was pretty much better by the time they all made it home. <laughs> I, I'm much better now, obviously. I kind of have like a migraine hangover today. 
Did you get my Monty Python quote there? I didn't. What did you say? I said, I got better. I got better. She turned me into a she newt. Me into a newt. I got, I better. got better. I love that one. <laughs> Horrible English accent there. <laughs> uh, well, you would think I would have it down by now because I've been working on it for so long, but nope. Um, oh, and then I have to tell a little story about Thanksgiving. Okay. So I hate turkey. I, think tur- <laughs> I, I just don't like turkey. And so... Um, as part of my family's too far away to have Thanksgiving with, so we, we usually have Thanksgiving dinner with Dean's family because they just live down the way a little. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked Dean when he left, I said, "Just bring me back some ham because they always make some ham because they know I hate turkey and other okay. people do like the ham. It's not just for me." And he was like, "Yes, I will bring you back ham." And um, he gets home and he has this huge roasting pan filled with turkey they had given him like an entire turkey 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 or ham turkey oh and there is no ham oh no and i said where is my ham i only wanted a few slices and he said i forgot your ham so the next day he went to the store and he bought me my own ham and yesterday he cooked me my own ham so now i have 50 million pounds of ham Uh (laughs) refrigerator yum (laughs) I'm like, take some ham, slap it on some bread, eat it for lunch. (laughs) Chopping up some ham. I'm gonna make I'm gonna make Denver omelets for dinner. I'm gonna chop up some ham, put some cheese on there. (laughs) Make some ham and cheese omelets. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, I'm gonna be eating ham for days. And I I have to say I appreciate my husband because he felt bad that he forgot my hams and he went and bought me a whole ham for myself. Bless him. Right. (laughs) Wasn't that sweet? Yes. (laughs) How about you? What have you guys been up to? Oh, a little this, little that. <laughs> it's only been two weeks, so not a ton. <laughs> yeah, I know. Shockaroonie, we actually managed to <laughs> to record in less than a month. Woo! <laughs> uh, let's see, Tyrion had his drum recital for the end of his session of, of drumming, so that was fun. I'll put a put try to remember to to uh embed the video oh yeah yeah one of his songs um well they only did one song actually <laughs> the entire session they only learned one song and the the group that he's with is called or the 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 business is called we got the beat and um they actually chose the song we got the beat this session nice. <laughs> so they learned the go-go song we got the beat and um but it was really cool because normally when they do their end of the session performance um it used to be that they were at they were with this other um church they used to rent space from this really big local church um they were with people's church before and they um did a performance there with all of the choirs and the all the performing groups there and it was like a really big thing and they did it in this big on this big stage and it was like this big performance with tons and tons of kids all the different groups would all get their turn to perform and then they would do their song and and that and so it was a really big deal and they had to wear special dress-up clothes and everything and i remember dress pants and everything and it was like videotaped and it was a really big deal well they moved because the people's church has eliminated their performance um performing arts program that they had there they've actually eliminated it now so um, we got the beat this woman um, who runs the the percussion band and um, and classes had to find another space to rent space from because she just does the class she just rented space from them she's not actually affiliated with the church and um, so she had to find someplace else to rent space so she found a different church and a smaller church 
And so it wasn't a big, gigantic performance this time. It was only we got the beat performing. So instead of just performing one song, they, the kids actually got to go through and each take a turn doing different instruments, doing different parts. It's all the same song, but we got to see them all rotate through and do the same song over and over again, but like different <laughs> parts of the song. They all got to play the different parts and they all got to do the solo. And they all, it was really cool because they got to perform a whole lot more. That's and awesome. On a smaller scale because it was a smaller room and there was less people there. Although Tyrion really likes the big performance too. That's really cool. But it was more intimate and he got to perform a whole lot more, which was really cool. So, yeah, it was really fun. So I got all tons of little videos and I'll just put up like one or two but um, on, on the show notes. But um, it was really cool though because he got a chance to like show how he did, you know, all the because they all all the kids throughout the entire session learn the whole song, but they learn every single instrument, every single part, so they can all rotate through. Uh, That's nice. All the parts of the song, and then at the end they choose the kids that do the best on the certain instruments to play those instruments for the actual performance. So then they do that last, you know, they do that actual final performance. But but during this recital, they actually got a chance to to rotate around and and show their stuff. So that was really cool. Because um, normally they don't get to show us all that, so that was cool. It was more of a, of a you know, a jam session kind of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. Well, I was thinking that with a smaller group, you, it's you know highlighting the children more individually. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's only four kids in the group. So. Oh, well, that makes it even better. <laughs> yeah, his group is tiny this time. But there was a girl in the group this time, too, which was really cool. Tier thought that was especially cool. He was like, there's a girl in the group now, Mom. I'm like, yay. <laughs> the first the first day when, when she showed up, it was pretty cool. Because um, we've been saying, why is it all boys? Because <laughs> so, all of the other groups have girls in it. And his group was the only one that never had a girl in it. And his is the um, the highest level. He's like in the... Um, the advanced group and the, all the beginning groups and the intermediate group, they all have girls and this is the only one that didn't have a girl in it. And the <laughs> owner's a girl and like half the teachers are girls. And, like the only one that didn't have a girl's girl was the advanced group, but now they do. So that was cool. Um, <laughs> anyway, that was fun. And um, he had a blast and then they won't be meeting again until the new year, I think so. But, um, but that was really fun. We, he really, really enjoys doing drumming. So, He's cool. got a knack for it, apparently. All of his uh, music teachers are all talk always talking about how he picks stuff up really fat, really quickly. So that's pretty cool. And he loves it. So let's see what else. Um, I got super into researching the real story of Thanksgiving just like the week before Thanksgiving, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like. Oh, I'm going to make a lesson just about Thanksgiving and I'm going to sell it for Noodle Homeschool and I'm going to totally publish this and I'm going to make all kinds of money. And then I realized I had no time. Yeah. <laughs> but I did all kinds of research and I created this fantastic Pinterest board full of res resources. And it's I titled it Homeschooling Thanksgiving in a culturally, sen culturally sensitive way. Sound familiar it sounds familiar yeah <laughs> the name of our podcast from a few years ago <laughs> our podcast episode which i did pin on the board cool so we'll put a link in the show notes to my board if you want uh resources to some fantastic articles and resources and books and videos and all kinds of really good resources which i am still going to make a class about it i just finally realized i sent out an email blast to my mailing list saying if anybody's interested i'm totally gonna do this if i get enough interest i'm gonna get publish this and and then i got like two people 
Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, and they're like three people, and then, but like one or two of them were like, but I might not have time to do it. And I was like, yeah, it's it was kind of last minute when <laughs> you had the thought, so really last minute. And I was like, yeah, who am I kidding? <laughs> <laughs> but for next year, you are early. Uh, I am, and I you know what I did is I went ahead and I bought the um, you know that yachty dot org that we are always re- uh, referencing. Yeah. I went and I bought their book, Thanksgiving, A Native Perspective. Oh, nice. Holding it in my hand right now. And it has all kinds of resources or um, articles in it and a little bit of resources in it, too, as far as like um, activities and stuff, too. Um, So I'm going to go through and I'm going to read the whole thing. It's got some recipes in it and I'm going to pull what I can out of it. And I'm going to use all my resources that I pinned on my Pinterest board and I'm going to pull together. A really cool class um, for my noodle homeschool um, uh, classes, or you know, for my noodle homeschool thingy that I do. I always never, I gotta come up with a better term for it. <laughs> I'm like for that thing that I do, you know, the online courses that I do. There that, you go. that thing thing. What, what is that thing? <laughs> yeah, I gotta find better terminology for it. I'm gonna make an online course for uh, culturally sensitive thanksgiving so um and i'm going to base it upon all the stuff that we've we talked about in the podcast and all the stuff they talk about on yati.org and the stuff that's in this this book and um it's going to be awesome and um so anyway i put it on my google calendar already for october next year that i'm going to start working on it (laughs) so i think i put like at the very beginning of october to remind myself to get started on it in october so i will have it ready in time for next thanksgiving and i've already gathered all the resources i need i have like more than enough resources i've already got it all gathered in fact i may even go out and buy some of the books because some of them are good enough to where i want them on my bookshelf anyway like that 1621 book that oyati recommends it's like Mm -hmm. the one that's well, there's a few of them that are really good, but some of them I, um, I think are probably fine just checking out from the library. But that 1621 book I really want to buy. I think that one looks really good. Um, but anyway, so yeah, that's on, <laughs> that's on my list of things to do for next year because I did not get the ball rolling in time for this year. <laughs> and I had like, you know, two or three people interested. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to be enough. If I had had all of a sudden like 10 or 15 people saying, yeah, I so totally want that. Do it. Then I would have been like, that would have given me the fuel to, to really like burn the midnight oil and get moving on it. But like two or three people and like one or two of them were like, but I don't think I have time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> I don't even know if these people would follow through on buying it even. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'll just do it for next year. So it's fine. But it's okay because my, uh, my, for the topic really taught I like learned all kinds of really great stuff and I I got tons of really great resources so check out that that board it's got great stuff on it so um let's see and oh and and then the other idea came to me that right now I should be working on this other idea I had um still exploring the idea so I'm not 100% certain I'm going to do it yet but I think I'm going to if I start it right now um, I'll probably decide this week if I'm going to do it or not. Because if I don't do it, if I don't start it this week, it's not going to happen. Um, to research, and I've I've been talking about doing this for a couple of years actually. Um, December holidays um, around the world, not just here, but like around the world, um, yeah. and not just Christmas, but like um, uh, Christmas and winter solstice and Hanukkah and Ramadan. Although it's not always in December, um, we'll see what's actually happening this year but all the december holidays all the winter holidays that are happening this time of the year and trying to come up with some kind of a of a um uh 
a lesson or a class about that. So, you know, it makes me think of that. There was, I have a Sesame Street. Um, <laughs> have you seen this? Elmo's, I think it's called Elmo's Christmas or something like that. Elmo's, Elmo's Holidays, Elmo's something. Anyway, where they, I've seen it. they, 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 where they, they explore all the different holidays that happen in December. It's, it's cute, but um, it's like that. And they have a kid for each holiday and, um, and Kwanzaa also. Um, but anyway, uh, I was thinking of doing something like that where you go in and learn about all of the holidays. And it would be really fun also to go in and like for Christmas to find out about the different ways. Like in Europe, there's some pretty interesting stuff that they do for Christmas. Yeah. Um, you know, like how they do in, uh, was it Sweden, I think, where they have the, the girl with the candles on her head? Yes, yeah, St. Saint, Saint Lucia. La, Santa Lucia, yeah. yeah. Santa Lucia. And they do yeah. the candle yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, one year I made uh, crowns for everybody, and I made a, a Santa Lucia crown for our neighbor. I made a different, like, I made regular, like, pointed crowns for all the other girls, and I made one for her that had candles on it instead. Yeah, they have some pretty interesting Christmas traditions in Europe, and any in other countries, too. They have some interesting yeah. Christmas traditions. So, um, yeah, so I, I might go researching some of that and see what I can find and see if there's some interesting stuff to put together a class for that. I think it would be interesting to learn about and not just Christmas, other holidays as well. So um, that all happen right around this time of the year. So, uh, so that's something I'll, I'll potentially be working on. So if I do, if I do actually end up doing it, um, I will definitely announce that on my homeschool realm, Facebook page and on the homeschool realm.com. Um, it just depends on if I can find the time to do it. We'll see. Uh, let's see. We finally finished Les Miserables for my kids, the kids version, and that was really a big accomplishment. They really enjoyed it too. I think they did a really good job with that book. Um, it wasn't, I wouldn't say it was high quality literature in the writing because <laughs> it was a kids <laughs> edition, but the guy who edited the original was uh, really pretty true to the basic story. So I thought that was pretty cool because I had just finished reading The Unabridged, so I was pretty happy, because uh, as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I'm a huge Les Miserables fanatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I Once had or just, twice. <laughs> and I had just finished The Unabridged Les Miserables for the second time. Um, so I had it fresh in my mind, so it was pretty cool to be able to um, share that with my kids, and they were really excited to hear it. So, so they've now had, and it was a really short version of it, they cut out all of the extra stuff so that was pretty cool. So I feel very accomplished that my kids have now um, now got that story under their belt. And uh, we've moved on to Percy Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> Big change. <laughs> we finally decided to, uh, to start Percy Jackson. I've been wanting to read that to them for a while. I've never heard. I had never read it before. So I always wanted to. Um, oh, and as an exciting uh, learning moment happened uh Last week, I think. Yeah, it was just a few days ago. Um, so Maven's looking out the backyard, uh, out in the backyard, and we're—I don't know if I think I've mentioned this on this uh, on the show before. We're like big time bird fans, like bird birders. Um, I wouldn't say big time. We we could be bigger, but we really like birds. I'm really <laughs> into birds. Ever since I uh, taught about birds at when I taught at Psychon Outdoor School and led the birding trail, I got really into birds. And so I've been teaching my kids about birds for a while. So my kids are pretty good, especially Maven, about identifying common and some uncommon, not some not so well known. I shouldn't say common, but like some not so well known species of birds. They're pretty good about like a lot. And Maven really likes to identify birds. So she's looking in the backyard and she sees a bird and she goes, 
Mom! A robin! Wait! No. That doesn't look like a robin. It looks weird. Because, <laughs> well, <laughs> she's getting excited that it might be a robin because robins are really uncommon in our backyard. I don't know why. Because they're all over Fresno. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever get them in your yard? You know, I probably... <laughs> I've seen them around town, but for some reason they are never in our in our neighborhood. I don't know why. I've seen them in my neighbors, uh, not my neighbors, in um, other people like friends' yards and stuff. I know they're around town, but they are never in our y- neighborhood. I have no idea why. Um, so we get really excited when we see robins because we never see them in our neighborhood. Um, but anyway, it's it was like the size of a, of a robin and sort of almost the coloring and she's like wait no it looks a little weird and so i look out there and i'm like oh that's a rufusite tohi and and she's like oh it's totally it's not a robin like she's all excited because it's a different type of bird that she's never seen before and i was all excited because i haven't seen a rufusite tohi in ages it's a bird that i remembered from psychon mm-hmm. and it's a fun name to say <laughs> <laughs> which is why i remembered the name so then she's like looking it up on her bird app. And this is where it gets exciting because, well, that was exciting to see it, but this is where it gets exciting. And I know all you guys who don't care about birds are going, who cares? (laughs) But this is the learning moment here because she's looking it up on her bird app and her bird app is very thorough. It has like everything and it's, it's um, specific to the Western for, to our area. So it always has the birds that we, when we look them up, she's looking it up. Mom, there's no Rufus Saitotohi. How do you spell it again? She can't find it. She can't find it. She can't find it. And I'm like, why the heck would it not have it? And I'm like, well, just look up Tohi. I told her how to spell it. So she looks it up. She finds, she's like, well, there's a spotted Tohi. And I'm like, well, let's look at the picture. Maybe there's another name for it. That's weird. I've never heard of another name for it. So we look it up. Long story short, I end up Googling it. Turns out, Back in 1995, they discovered, and this is this is what was exciting, and Maven got excited about it too. Turns out that the that the rufous-sided towhee, they used to think it was one species. It turns out there's two species: spotted towhee and eastern towhee. So we were like, learning moment. <laughs> <laughs> I worked at Psycon from 96 to 97, and the birders apparently at Psycon who taught me about rufous-sided towhee had not gotten the news yet that in 95 that they discovered through genetic studies that there are actually two species and it's not rufous-sided towhees anymore. It's spotted and eastern. So it's a spotted towhee, not a rufous-sided <laughs> So, I know you could care less, but I was excited. (laughs) I learned something new. (laughs) And I was also sad because I really like saying Rufus Sided (laughs) Tohi. And Spotted Tohi is just not as exciting of a name. (laughs) You're right. It's just not quite as um, exciting. But but you say it very excitedly, so that's good. So that was my story, and I was so totally excited, and Maven got really excited about it, too, and I was excited because she was excited. I'm like, we learned something new today! Because <laughs> I like Googling, and I'm like, what's the deal with the Rufusite Adohi? What happened to the Rufusite Adohi? So I'm linking uh, to the article that I actually read that told me, 1995, <laughs> that they discovered. <laughs> That there's actually two species. <laughs> so, um, and they look a little bit, di- well, there's spots on the spotted tohi, so hence the name. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I thought that was interesting. There's a homeschool moment for you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, so anyway, uh, let's see. So I've been working on my computers. That's not as exciting as the Rufus Sidatohi. <laughs> 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 I'm 
to updating to Windows 10 and the because they're forcing it now. Have you heard this that they've been forcing people to update now? It's actually no, I haven't heard that at all. Yeah, Adam said that they're. It's actually like, it's like not letting you cancel it out now. Like it's forcing people to to actually update now. So it's been, and I've I've actually had to force quit the stupid thing. <laughs> so I've been struggling, and I do want to update. I just want I need to back the stupid computer up first. So I'm like, wait, wait, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Just in case something goes wrong, I need to back it up. So that's what I spent my Thanksgiving vacation doing was working on computers and backing stuff up and figuring stuff out. And yeah, that was like my last week was wrestling with computers, and I'm not even done yet either. Because I have another, uh, my I got my laptop done, but my desktop still has to, I have tons of stuff. I have all kinds of problems with my desktop, so that's been my last week, and I'm not done yet. I'll probably be spending much of this next week doing it, too. And I had to go out and get an external hard drive the day after Black Friday. Luckily, Best Buy was um, actually really dead when I went there. That was really shocking on Saturday, the day after Black Friday. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't hardly anybody there at 10 o'clock in the morning on Saturday after Black Friday. Nice. Yeah. And I ordered it on pay- and paid for it online. So I just went and picked it up and there was no line. So I was like, hey. oh, I love doing that. I know. And it was um, and it was on sale. So, yay. <laughs> Got my new external hard drive and I can back everything up and and everything's good to go. So it's just time consuming because everything takes forever to crunch. And it's like, finish already. Jeez. <laughs> so anyway, uh, let's see what else. Um, oh, and then I also, while I was waiting for my turn on, my son was finishing up playing a game. I was, I cleaned up my desk. That was a momentous occasion going through all the, I've been just tossing all my mail on my desk. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it was like a momentous occasion going through all it was it's it's not just mail it's actually mail that I need to file it wasn't mm-hmm. it's not just random junk mail it's like stuff that I need to file so I actually went through all my papers and sorted everything out and filed it all and got all my medical bills sorted and everything so that was a big thing last week too so that was pretty much uh my big accomplishment for the week. I actually completed cleaning off my desk and sorting all my paperwork. So yay. (laughs) (laughs) My big accomplishment for the week. But, um, had a nice Thanksgiving with my family. My brother and his wife came into town. They live in San Jose, which is a couple hours away. And, um, they did most of the cooking. So that was really nice. Had a real, they really did a good job with the turkey. They did some, some kind of, um, cranberry no no it wasn't cranberry it was pomegranate something glaze and it was really nice and juicy and yummy um turkey and i made mashed potatoes in the crock pot for the first time ever who knew you could put them in the crock pot i like i was like there's got to be an easier way to do this (laughs) i don't want to have to sit here and boil them in a pot and drain them and do all that so i looked it up and darned if there wasn't a really easy recipe for in the crock pot so i did it cool (laughs) yeah i was happy and enjoyed the parade as always i've mentioned in previous episodes in previous years i'm crazy about the macy's thanksgiving day parade it's been a huge family tradition in this family in my family growing up and in this family since we i was little so uh enjoyed the parade as usual and that was fun and everything was very relaxing and Food was yummy and had a nice, fairly uneventful, which is really nice, (laughs) 
uh, Thanksgiving and sorted through photos. My mom wanted to go through old photos and sort them. Um, she has shoeboxes full of old photos, so we had a nice time going through old photos of our childhood. Very nice. That was really cool. Didn't get them all sorted, but I helped her get shoeboxes for, since we grew up in the military, uh, there's like box for each location. So I had about eight boxes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I gotta go get another shoebox. Oh, wait, we forgot about Okinawa. I gotta go get another shoebox. Oh, wait, we forgot about North Carolina. Go get another shoebox. <laughs> <laughs> so we went and grabbed shoeboxes and labeled them and this one, wait, where was this one, Mom? Oh, that's in Sicily. Okay, put that one in that bucket. <laughs> so it was fun because they were all mixed up and it was a big mess. So that was fun going through it all. And Dad's and Cammy's in this one. Which, where is he? In? <laughs> so, yeah, that was cool. We had a nice time. And and my brother and sister-in-law played Uno with Tyrion while Maven hung out and drew I don't know. She's always drawing something. She's always doing art. And my parents sat around and watched and enjoyed just soaking in all of the love. Yeah. <laughs> so that was nice. So that was how things have been going for us. Excellent. And now we'd like to give some time to our sponsors. This episode of the Savvy Homeschool Moms is brought to you by Moving Beyond the Page, the homeschool curriculum that I use for science, social studies, and language arts. I get to read great books, do creative projects and activities, and learn critical thinking skills. Learn more at www.movingbeyondthepage.com and use the coupon code SAVVYMOMS for free shipping on your next order. And by Math Mammoth. The math curriculum all the Savvy Homeschool kids are using. Math Mammoth offers affordable, high-quality, mastery-based work texts and workbooks for grades 1 through 7. Our moms love that it fosters independent learning since the work texts are nearly self-teaching, requiring very little teacher preparation. Check out free samples and placement tests and learn more at mathmammoth.com. Click Buy at Coggy and enter the code SAVVYMOMS to save 25% off your order. This episode also sponsored by Pandia Press, publishers of comprehensive science and history curriculum. We love the hands-on labs incorporated into Real Science Odyssey and the fun projects that we do with History Odyssey. Pandia Press offers a fantastic try before you buy on their website so you can see how the program works for yourself. Visit PandiaPress.com for more information. And now, the second half of our interview with Julie Bogart from Brave Writer. Well, that, that leads into the next question, which was, can you give us an overview of what Brave Writer has to offer? You have a lot more than just that, though, don't you? You have more we programs do. We than have that. So we have online classes, um, and those range in you know diversity from basic writing skills to poetry to writing fiction to a grammar workshop. We call it the Groovy Grammar Workshop. It's grammar like you've never seen. It stands it all on its head. We go inductively mm -hmm. and have kids play with language and create their own rules for language and, you know, sort of evaluate the properties of how we came up with this crazy system called grammar. Um, we have classes that are focused on literature discussion where you just read a book together and talk about it like a book club as opposed to producing essays. But then we also have essay classes and MLA research paper classes for high school students. So, you know, we teach 
somewhere around 3,000 students a year, and we offer somewhere between 75 and 80 classes a year. So, you know, there's a lot of diversity. And what's nice is our online classes are always between four and six weeks. You're not signing up for, you know, you're not selling your soul for a semester. <laughs> you don't have to log in at a specific time. They are asynchronous, so everyone can participate in any time zone. We are non-sectarian, so there's no religious predisposition you're supposed to bring to class. Our aim is to support the worldview and point of view of the individual writer. So we do that no matter who you are, irrespective of worldview. And um, our instructors, who I'm so passionate about, are all homeschooling mothers right now. We don't have any dads. All homeschooling mothers who have also been professional writers. So they are published and they homeschool. And that, to me, is what makes our program unique because mm. we can empathize on all levels. We're not just, you know, former English teachers from a classroom. I mean, we don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, I'm a little suspicious of those. They don't yeah. work as well for our plan because homeschool has its own dynamic. Totally different, yeah. Yeah. Not that I don't love English teachers. I mean, I, they're, they're great. I don't want to denigrate English teachers at all. But what I'm saying is for our program, we made a point of having home educators as one of the components before we hire them. Hmm. Yeah. Excellent. I know that you've, uh, you talk a lot on, um, in your programs and on your website about this language-rich lifestyle. I really like that. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks. Um, we call it the Brave Writer Lifestyle because it promotes a language-rich environment. Because here's the thing. To help students become effective writers, they need a big river to draw from. We call it the language arts river. They need to find words and images and ideas and ways to articulate their experience that come from a big, wide, open field of options. They aren't just wanting to be, you know, stuck with the paltry vocabulary that they barely have developed for, let's say, the Civil War. In order to write about the Civil War well, they should hear songs from that era. They should read history. It would be helpful to see even a movie where you have characters with accents dialoguing back and forth, and you get a sense and a flavor for the formality or the informality of speech, for the differences between aristocrats and people who work in the fields. Getting a sense of all the vocabulary and nuances of an era or of a domain, language domain, helps you become an effective writer. So in the Brave Writer Lifestyle, we want our families to explore art. And of course, some of this is Charlotte Mason influence. So if you know Charlotte, you'll recognize it. But we do art appreciation. We do nature study and journaling. We recommend watching movies every week as a family and talking mm. about the films because the big contribution to language arts from the 20th century is filmography, yeah. which is the, the modern literature. It's sure. not pleasure and entertainment any more than reading fiction novels are only pleasure and entertainment. They are a major source of our cultural heritage now, and mm -hmm. they are as worthy of exploration. So we do movies. Of course, we do poetry tea times. And we suggest, of course, reading living literature, including nonfiction, not just fiction. 
and then television. I'm like yeah. <laughs> one of the few um, home education apologists for TV. <laughs> and maybe the, one of the few attachment parents uh, who also feels positive about television. I'm all about it. Yeah. Um, and, and so here's what I say about TV and movies is this. If you put language into the hands of professional actors, and it's written by professional script writers, whether yeah. it's for sitcoms or for movies, you are going to get the maximum value of meaning out of the language. And it's going to be demonstrated to your kids mm -hmm. so much better than worldly wise, which, by the way, I used and thought it was perfectly adequate, but not wonderful. My kids learned more vocabulary, <laughs> I have to admit, from Seinfeld than they <laughs> from worldly wise. Because you have to understand the pun to get the joke. And yes. everyone wants to get the joke. Yep. So the vocabulary, when it is being delivered by equity-trained actors, is doing more to create the meaning synapse connection than any workbook could possibly do, even better than books, to be honest. Because we don't hear the words out loud. I mean, how many times have you read a book and then heard someone say the word? Yeah. You're like, that's how they say it. Yep. You know? <laughs> right? And you miss the nuance because it's, it's sort of like flat on the page. Yes. And then, you know, how about you read Shakespeare and you don't get it. Yes. And then you watch Shakespeare acted and you totally get it. Yes. Yes. That's the difference. So, yeah, I'm not saying, you know, you want them necessarily to just drone on in front of the TV eight hours a day. What I'm saying is don't be afraid of TV. Right. Don't be afraid of film. Use it. Value it. You know, turn all of these shows into the great inside jokes that they should be for your family. And you mm -hmm. will see this language rich atmosphere grow in your home. My adult kids now text each other to try and outwit each other with new <laughs> vocabulary. <laughs> Three of my kids are a part of editorial boards of literary magazines. They've started now as adults and college kids. One of them runs a poetry slam. Another one writes poetry on a regular basis for her own pleasure. Um, they're all deeply invested in language because that was such a high priority in our family. We, we're all totally into Shakespeare. We've all acted in it, watched it, participated. You know, it's like a living thing. Mm -hmm. um, Shakespeare movies are as fun for us as watching Disney, <laughs> you know, to tell the truth. And we love the Disney movies. Oh, my gosh, we've watched them endlessly. And Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter. Like, that's how you grow writers, amazingly. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Excellent. Wonderful. So um, we have some questions from our listeners that came in. Uh, I believe all of these came in via Facebook. Yes. So our first question is from Bethany. She says, I'd love a simple explanation of where to begin with her curriculum. There's the wand, the arrows, the jungle. I have kids under eight and I'm not sure where to begin. I get her emails about the Brave Writer lifestyle and have incorporated some of her ideas into our routine, but I'm not sure how the purchase curriculum fits in. Great. Okay. So with kids under eight, you're really dealing with the very, very beginning of what Brave Writer offers. So I'll give you a little overview of a couple of the products so you can get the, the idea. The Writer's Jungle is really intended for the parent. It gives you a sense of what the whole journey of writing will be. I consider the writing life to start, you know, the, the transcription writing life where kids can use their own pencil, um, to start at age eight. You know, so we're talking eight to 18. You've got 10 years to raise these writers. Under age eight, you're in sort of this 
original writer lives inside the child, but they can't transcribe for themselves. So you need to teach them handwriting and you want to teach them reading. Those are the two best ways to grow your writer. Meanwhile, though, we want to capture all that brilliant language, the fluency in English that they've mastered in writing on their behalf. So we have a couple of products that do these things. The wand is the tool that we suggest for kids who know their consonant, vowel, consonant kind of reading, you know, that you already know how to read hop on pop. If you can do that, then the wand is the time for you to start. So we don't teach like the phonetics of the alphabet. We expect the kids to already know that. But then once they do have that, the wand teaches them reading the rest of the way. And it uses living literature. It follows the kind of pattern that is very brave writer. So we take books that are readers and classic little works of fiction for that age group, Frog and Toad, you know, the little bear books, and we draw copywork passages from them. And then we explain things like word origin and grammar and punctuation and spelling principles. And we actually give dialogue to the parent to have with the child. So we model everything thoroughly. And the child and the parent are building together um, a little, like a little manila folder of post-it notes for all of the different blends, digraphs, vowel sounds, and consonants as they're building their understanding of spelling and reading. The wand was designed for us by a colleague of mine named Rita Savasco, who is a speech and language pathologist. And she works all the time with kids who struggle with reading. But she loves Brave Writers because in her field, they don't teach writing very well. And she likes what we do in writing. So we brought our two sets of skills together to teach the foundations of reading using a Brave Writer philosophy for the writing component and then her specialty for reading. And so that's what the wand is. So it's very parent intensive. There is a sample online if you don't know if it's right for you, you can always email me and I can walk you through kind of questions about whether or not this would be right. We always want to make sure that anyone who buys the wand is happy with it because it's a big time commitment for the parent and I want to make sure you're happy with it. But So that's what the wand is. Jot It Down would be our other product that is aimed at the five to eight-year-old age. And that one is writing projects where your kid is narrating orally and you're helping write down what they're doing but these projects are really fun um, and it's much less it, it involves the parent but it's much less of a academic you know approach like learning to read would be um, it is things like you read fairy tales all different versions of each fairy tale and then your child produces a visual narration and a verbal one so for example with Rapunzel you might read all these versions of Rapunzel, watch the Disney movie, you know, of Tangled, and then your child will, you know, braid a whole bunch of yellow yarn into a very long braid and draw a picture of Rapunzel in a tower on a page and glue the hair and then retell you the story and you jot it down for them. So we have multiple fairy tales for you to explore with suggestions for how to narrate them. We also have in that same product a tea party section. We have a section on big numbers where your kids, you know, create a book 
and they are guided to look up and explore different numbers, like how many steps are in your two-story house, how many steps to the mailbox, how many miles from the earth to the sun. And they're building this little book with you with pictures and numbers and things that they do um, all around numbers. So each project takes a month and each one is designed to stimulate these excursions into language that get recorded and turned into mini products that you can enjoy and read back to your child over the course of the year. Jot It Down was the product I decided to create for parents that I didn't think really needed to read The Writer's Jungle quite yet. Um, a lot of parents buy The Writer's Jungle anyway because they're eager and they want to prepare for the 8 through 18 years, but you don't have to buy it yet. So for this woman, I would recommend taking a look at the wand um, for the kids who are trying to learn to read, and then jot it down would be great for all of them. You can use it across all those ages, and it would be just pure fun. Excellent. So we have another question from, hmm, I think I'm going to probably butcher this name. Yeah. Brissia, would you think? Yeah, or probably. Okay, apologies. Day, yeah, yeah apologies <laughs> if I butchered your name. I'm very bad with those. So um, she says, I have a 13-year-old. Would I still start with Writer's Jungle or would I start with help for high school? Oh, great question. So 13 is one of those ages that's very difficult for me to tell because some 13-year-olds are totally ready for high school and mm -hmm. then other 13-year-olds are really resistant writers. You know, they've had years of no success or poor, limited success. So I usually recommend that you start with the writer's jungle if you haven't done a lot of writing with your kids or you have a very blocked writer at 13. If you have a garden variety 13-year-old who's used other programs or is writing without much complaint or who feels comfortable writing, starting with, the writer, starting with help for high school is okay. The main criteria for help for high school level writing is puberty, <laughs> amazingly. <laughs> I always say, is he shaving? Is he growing hair in all the places you don't look? Um, because, <laughs> because there is something about the chemical wash that happens to the brain that creates the capacity for what I like to call the rhetorical imagination. And once they can listen to and hold multiple perspectives in their mind at the same time without being overly judgmental of the ones they don't agree with, they're not ready. If they can't do that, they're not ready. If they can do that, now they're ready. The task in high school that's different than under high school is this. You are moving into a level of analysis where the world becomes more complicated and it's really striking to me. I mean, we've been doing this for 16 years, and literally there are some 11 and 12-year-olds who are ready for that shift and some 14 and 15-year-olds who are not. So it really depends on the capacity of the child to let their mind become a little bit more like a taffy pull and less like an on-off switch. You know, this is right, this is wrong. That's the mind of a junior high kid. A high school student is more like, well, I can stretch it this way. Well, I could think about it that way. Well, I can pull it back this way. That's what we want to see in high school. So for a 13-year-old, it's hard to know because some are more mature than others, but that would be my rubric. Right. Is he capable of you know, flexible thinking, and does he have a sense of writing not being torturous and difficult? Excellent. Thank you. 
You know, while while you're talking, I was just thinking and, and browsing your website, too, and I was just thinking of another question. Um, for yeah. somebody who's visiting your website for the first time, there is so much information on your website. What do you recommend for somebody visiting your website for the first time that is overwhelmed by the amount of information? Where, do, where should they start? Well, so we do have the getting started buttons. Okay. Um, and I think that might be one of the places to start. You can go to any of those number categories, you know, six, seven, or, you know, the five through eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. And that narrows down the materials and the online classes. So you could pick from above, from among those. But another place to start with us is what is Brave Writer, which is at okay. the top of the homepage. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that, once you get in there, you can see we have a welcome message and I have um, a message that explains what Brave Writer is. But for fun, I think <laughs> it would also be fun, that, you know, so I'm giving you three options. This is okay. the problem with me. I always give too many options. Um, <laughs> But if you're wanting something like tangible that's just yours, like try me out, see what that's like, right on the homepage under the banner, there's a sign up for free button oh, yes. and it says writing lessons and daily writing tips and more. Right. When you click on that button, it takes you to a product that we give away. It's 17 pages, a PDF file called Free Writing Frenzy. And it literally explains this practice of free writing and gives you you know, a whole slew of writing practices that you could do with your kids tomorrow. It's like free writing curriculum mm -hmm. that you could use for the next probably two and a half, three months. And that might be just a great way to wet your feet, get familiar with how Brave Writer uses and interacts with writing. And then from there, you know, the writer's jungle is always a great place to go. So those would be the three ways to take a look at it. If you're looking for online classes, of course, just go straight to our online classes, and right. each one has a very detailed page that explains what it is. Okay. And the and for the getting started buttons, you mean the ones that have the the jotted down the that numbers. says five to eight, the numbers, the, yes, the, the age numbers, range exactly. buttons. Okay. Right. That's, I see those are really prominent right yes. about halfway down the page. Okay. Yep. Great. That's wonderful. That will help us help our listeners to be able to see where to get started. Thank you. Yeah, okay. and they're free, they're free to email us too. You know, okay. we take emails and um, help personalize things when people, you know, sometimes people have multiple ages or they've right. been using one other program and now they don't know what level that would equal in our program. We don't do grades very often. We, we have some right. things that mention grades, but we're really about the natural stages of growth in writing. And so that's one significant difference. I try to help people figure out where their kids actually are, not where they should be. Right. Okay, great. And we have one last question uh, from a listener. Uh, Karen wants to know, what's the best way to encourage my fourth grade son to write? He hates the physical act of writing and now equates that with putting his thoughts together on paper. So you have to go back a step. Mm -hmm. So this is where you would start jotting down his thoughts for him. One of the stages of growth in writing is called partnership writing. And what that means is the parent and the child are a team learning to write together. And so some of the writing will be the child. Some of it will be yours. So initially in that jot it down phase where you're writing everything for them, a lot of times what happens is parents hand off the full responsibility to the child and they skip that middle step where they're writing together, where some of, sometimes they're jotting things down, sometimes the child is writing Sometimes the mother is supplying language the child can't think of. Sometimes the child is supplying their own ideas. 
But during that partnership phase, the child is still gaining skill. If I were to compare it to learning to ride a bike, it would be like going from training wheels to nothing without that period where the parent runs alongside the bike to keep it from crashing and burning. Mm -hmm. It would be like when you go from a diaper, a child wearing diapers, to reminding the child, do you have to pee or let's go to the bathroom before we go to the store or, you know, they're wearing the huggies that you can pull up and pull down rather than a full diaper. Like we do it naturally in other arenas. You know, mm-hmm. you, you start when your child is going from breastfeeding to fully independent eating. You don't just hand them a knife and a fork. You know, <laughs> we, we process the food down and we serve it to them on a Teflon-covered spoon for a while. And then mm-hmm. the child gets the spoon and goes from reasonably neat eating to a complete disaster and a mess. <laughs> and we call that progress because it is. So one of the things that happens to the these kids who are feeling resistant is they never got to have the support and the messy period. They're expected mm-hmm. to go from handwriting books and the mom writing down their original thoughts to suddenly representing everything accurately in handwriting, well punctuated, and their original ideas. And they're not ready. They actually haven't made that journey yet. So they crash and burn. And who wants to keep repeating the crash and burn experience? Mm-hmm. No one. So that's where resistance comes from. So you just back up a step. You say, okay, I realize I've pushed too fast for this child. I'm going to start catching him in the act of thinking, and I'm going to start jotting down his great, amazing thoughts and share them with an interested audience for a while. And we will save the handwriting piece for copy work or for handwriting books. And then we'll gently move back to partnership writing where it's the two of us working together. But this can take six or eight months. I don't want you to think you do jotting it down one week and then you're back to writing again. You need to give it some time. Right, right. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so we should uh, mention that you are a fantastic Periscope pioneer. <laughs> For those of you out there that have not discovered Julie yet on Periscope or have not discovered Periscope yet, oh my goodness. <laughs> my new obsession. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my, I know mine too. I've only Periscoped once so far, but I'm going to get out there more. <laughs> Oh my goodness, you are doing an amazing, amazing job. I'm so glad that you are, are saving all of your, your scopes to uh, to catch. Um, I should mention that Periscope is a streaming app, or an app that allows you to stream video, because a lot of people still don't even know what it is, through an app on your iPhone or Android, um, and people can go in. I'm going to actually, I think we're going to probably talk about this in a future episode, but just so people can go and check it out. Um, through uh, this app, um, people broadcast video, live video, and we can go in and watch Julie talk about whatever topic she's talking about that day, and you can ask her questions, and she does these amazing inspirational videos, and she saves it to her uh, catch account, which is catch, which is K-A-T-C-H dot M-E forward slash Brave Writer. We'll have the the link in the show notes so you guys can go check it out. There's a whole bunch of videos there because Periscope videos disappear after 24 hours. You got to go check them out. Oh my gosh, you have got amazing stuff on there. Uh, How did you find Periscope? 
Well, I was fortunate to be invited onto the app by um, Pam Barnhill. She does a podcast called My Morning Basket, I think. Mm-hmm. And she was doing a Periscope on one of my concepts, which is um, something that she wanted me to know about. So she tweeted out, because Periscope and Twitter are linked. So right. if you have a Twitter account, you can easily log into Periscope. Uh-huh. So she tweeted out the name of her Periscope and tagged me. And so the next thing I know, I'm like watching this woman talking about one of my concepts on my phone. It's like FaceTime on your phone, only it is. podcasting to all these people. Right. And then she sent me an email. I sent her an email saying, that was really cool. What was that? And she said, it's Periscope and you need to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> and so I thought, oh, well, that's fun. So I started watching other homeschool Periscopers. And then I, the one that really pushed me out into the stratosphere was my Periscope called The Enchanted Education. So maybe that would be a good one to link for everybody. Okay. Oh, yeah. And I, I just... <laughs> I'm on it. You're awesome. It's um, down towards the bottom of Catch. And I, I wanted to cast or set a foundation of a vision of what I might Periscope about. You know, my perspective, not just of writing, but of homeschooling. Because I have a lot of feelings about homeschool. It's not just writing that I teach. In fact... This is something else I should mention. I have a coaching community, um, a group called the Homeschool Alliance Mm -hmm. that can be found at coachjuliebogart.com. And what it is is a community of about 200 women. It keeps growing now um, (laughs) where we monthly, I give a, a teaching. You know, I find some interesting article or chapter from a book, not from homeschoolers. I don't think we've done one homeschooler yet. Everything has come from outside of homeschool, but it's like a master class in learning. Like how Ah. do we educate our children? And I record audio lectures to go with it. And then we also do a challenge each month for some kind of enrichment to the homeschool. We've done handcrafts, going to live music, playing board games. Uh, This month we're doing and cooking. Last month we did reading aloud, you know, so each month there's some enrichment aspect. Uh, and we discuss all of it. And I give specific coaching help to anyone who posts their dilemmas or concerns or needs. The community is so supportive. Hmm. And absolutely, there is no judge. It's a judgment free zone. <laughs> there's no like lifestyle you have to hit or else. It's not like oh, I'm at a La Leche League meeting, I better not bring a bottle. It's nothing like that. You can Mm -hmm. be there in any condition of who you are, and we will support you in discovering what works best for your family and give you principles to consider. So that's, that's that coaching community. And so really, the periscopes have flowed out of that. The communities existed for about a year and I just knew there was more I wanted to communicate about home education. And so that's really how I use Periscope. It's been really fun. Yeah, and it's fantastic. She's she, Julie is now scoping every day, it sounds like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, during November, we're reading through a book of essays that I wrote that are meant to be daily readings, non-sectarian readings to support your homeschool commitment. And each day I read one, and then we discuss it or I give some stories from my family life. Um, uh-huh. The name of the book was A Gracious Space, and it's the fall edition. Uh-huh. Now, what would you say is the difference between non-sectarian and secular? I'm a little confused. Um, is it the, the same reason, thing you think or different? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why I say non-sectarian as opposed to secular is uh-huh. this. We are not anti-religion. Right. So we're not trying to say it's a religion-free zone. Like in our classes, I have students 
uh, in one class, I've had atheist students writing about evolution and really strong conservative Christian students writing about creation in the same class. So mm-hmm. we aren't preventing any point of view. Right. We, but we, but our products don't advocate a specific point of view. So right. that was why I chose that language. Oh, and okay. so we've had Muslim students, we've had Jewish students, we've had atheists, we've had Christians, you know, the whole wide variety. Yeah. Right. Do you feel like secular sometimes people misinterpret? Because I think that secular means non-religious as well. But I think a lot of people misinterpret the word. That and is think exactly it, what I mean. Yeah. And a lot of people think that it means anti-religious, but I don't That's think it actually does. <laughs> no, I'm with you. Yeah. And I'm comfortable with secular as a term, but because of... So I have worked in the Christian arena. I spent a lot of years actually as an active conservative Christian. So I know mm. that worldview intimately from the inside. Uh, and so okay. I have sense of what it means to be secular from inside that worldview. And homeschooling is still very, very dominated by a Christian right. constituency. And I, I love them and I don't want to alienate them. So sure. that is part of where that comes from. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, because you know, of the I misinterpretation of the word. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Got it. Mm-hmm. Got it. I totally get it now. Thank you. Cool. Yeah, well, that's fun to be asked that question. I haven't been asked that before. <laughs> well, I, I actually had not really heard that word hardly at all. I mean, I'd heard it before, but I never really like drilled thought. down to figure yeah. out what it meant. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you might not know this about me, but I actually have a master's in theology. So <laughs> I know more about out that stuff than uh, I probably even should. <laughs> ah. So, but what you're saying is that you're, 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 programs, your curriculum, none of it has any religious content, but people are welcome to bring in their own religious beliefs into it themselves, but you don't put any in it. No, I don't. I do occasionally address it, though. Like in my Help for High School, we have a section in the introduction where I talk about the difference between argument and apologetics, because so many Christian students come to writing and they don't know the difference, and Mm -hmm. then it shows up in their essays and they're in some community college and they don't understand why the professor isn't accepting of their viewpoint well it's because they're not writing argument they're writing apologetics and so we (laughs) talk I talk about that and I think that's the benefit that I bring is I have a lot of facility on all sides of the coin actually sure sure and I thought that was really well worded when I I read that part so if people have any questions uh what are some other ways that people can get in, in touch with you um besides the Periscope broadcast where they can go and talk to you live. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a really great way. But we also take emails, so you can contact us at help, H-E-L-P, at bravewriter.com, and either it will be me or one of my staff will answer your questions about placement for your students or what class or what product, if you have questions like that. If you have specific questions that require more than just an email, you can also call um, what I prefer is for you to email first, and then what we do is I'll set a time to call you back or have you call me, and then that way we can, you know, have a phone conversation. Occasionally, that's helpful for parents who have, you know, a really specific need or are dealing with some confusion. Um, so I also talk on the phone, but we do it more by schedule now. Um, mm-hmm. So that would be another way. And then, of course, our Facebook page, Brave Writers Facebook page, is very active, and I'm active on it. I'm active everywhere is the truth. You can see <laughs> yeah. me, you can write on Facebook, you can send email. We try really hard to be a responsive company. And I have amazing 
staff members. All of them have used Brave Writer with their own kids. They're all people that I've been close to over the years, and they're all incredibly gifted in their individual spheres. I'm lucky that's still how my company is, <laughs> um, and I'm grateful for the team of people. We have like st- six specific team members on staff that answer various uh, questions besides me. So um, if you hear from one of them, it'll be equally good, I promise. <laughs> Excellent. And I actually wanted to mention also that I highly recommend Julie's podcast. I know you don't have very many of them, but do you have any plans of doing any more podcasts in the future? Yeah, actually, we're doing them right now. So I just uh, just uploaded last week, I think we uploaded a new one. And it's a fun one. It's from one of my periscopes. It's the conversation that I had with my oldest two adult children, 28 and 26. I saw that periscope. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so that one is now in so I know it with the big beard now. <laughs> yes. In fact, he was the one who was here right before this uh, interview. And um, he now is local to me and, you know, a little computer programmer guy. And he is helping me turn my periscopes into podcasts. And oh, then wonderful. we also are going to do some podcasting again together. He had moved away, which is what mm-hmm. stopped us because he was my moderator my little like you know introduce and conversation partner and all that so now he's back and we're figuring out what our routine will look like again but yeah we want to do more of them he's he's fabulous we wanted to do one on math he spent two hours today talking to me about math and I was like you're you're you are fun this is exactly (laughs) what people need to hear yeah I really enjoyed your podcast yeah I was sad that there wasn't very many of them but the ones that you have are just Brilliant. The big juicy conversations one I thought was brilliant. <laughs> I love you. that. <laughs> yeah, I have to go back to and listen to it again. <laughs> yeah, we need to do more of them. I mean, he's, it's so, it's really, you know, it's really fun for me. I, I love it. It's, I'm just at that point in my, you know, career with Brave Writer where we have more time now mm. to do some of this stuff. But it, it was really demanding for a while there. I had kids who were still living at home and, you know, Noah moved away. But this year is different. I, it's my first time, actually, of being an empty nester. And so <laughs> that's why everything's like on steroids all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's great. And, and with the gorgeous backyard. <laughs> You're so cute. I love my backyard. That's well, so you know, we're stuck in the Central Valley where it's not quite so pretty. So, <laughs> 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 I'm jealous of anybody with a gorgeous backyard. So, <laughs> people who can get to the beach in an hour, so we're even. <laughs> oh, we're three hours from here. So three hours from Fresno. Yeah, oh, gosh. three hours oh, from Fresno. Close. So not so close, <laughs> mm-hmm. unfortunately. But yes. Oh, and then the Yahoo group also. Um, that is really cool. That, that I like that the um. It's, it's almost kind of like a fly lady thing, sort of, isn't it? <laughs> the- it was designed on that um, model. I Yeah, I was discovering that I wasn't very good at keeping house and raising children, and someone put me onto the fly lady. And it was once I started using her system that I realized that when parents said to me they didn't understand how to create a language-rich environment, mm-hmm. that they really didn't understand it. I, for me, it was so natural to what I did, mm-hmm. kind of like the fly lady. It was so natural to her right. how to keep house. And yeah. so when I really understood that, well, maybe I know something that would be beneficial that could be on a schedule, mm-hmm. I designed this Yahoo group. It's a it's a schedule list only. People join it and leave. They don't, you know, I never am personal on there. All it is right. is a reminder list. But right. what it does for people is it starts to put them in the habit of mind. Oh, a movie every week. Oh, 
I should have some eye contact with a child today. Yes. Oh, <laughs> I should let one of my kids teach me something. Oh, we should take a day off and go on a field trip. It's yes. like that kind of list. And it helps parents recalibrate to have more of the homeschool that lives in their fantasy, but that they rarely have the guts to execute. Yeah, I'm on. I'm on there. I had to. I had to go no email temporarily while I got through my daughter's birthday. But I'm planning on going back to email again so I can get started on it again. That's great. That's why <laughs> I had to get through a crazy period of my life first. It was too much for that moment. But well, and exactly. And you know, I have absolutely no investment in anyone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? In yeah. anyone using it or. I mean, I feel that way about everything. That's the thing about Brave Writer. Like, I'm not looking for people to become Brave sure. Writer homeschoolers. I, I don't want them to buy products that aren't right for them. I tell people what not to buy as often as I've ever told anyone what to buy. The goal is implementation. Yeah. If you aren't using what you own or aren't applying what you know right now, adding more stuff doesn't make it better. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. So what you really want to do is drill down to that one thing that is nagging at you and pay some attention to that yep. and let other things sort of take the back seat yep. while you work on that. And if mm -hmm. you do that consistently over time, you build momentum. And mm -hmm. that's what creates a happy homeschool. Yep, yep. Well, this has been really wonderful, Julie. Thank you so, so much. Oh, this thanks for having me. It's fun for me, too. This has been, this is, I don't know how many episodes we're going to have to break this down into, but it's not probably only two, actually. It hasn't yeah, been, I think we can get into. I think we can get this into two episodes, but wonderful content. I know our, our listeners are going to absolutely love this, especially since they've had to wait like two months for this episode because <laughs> we have <laughs> so much going on in our lives recently. We have not released anything for a while, so they're going to be so happy. And then to get such an outstanding episode. <laughs> uh, well, that's great. Well, thank you so much, Julie. Thank you so much. Yes. This has been fantastic. Oh, I really enjoyed it. You guys are great. It's fun to get to know you, and I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. It's been a big, juicy conversation. It has. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Great. Well, thanks Excellent. so much, and you have a great rest of your Sunday. You too. Thanks, you guys. <laughs> okay. All right. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed the second half of our interview with Julie Bogart from Brave Writer. We had a really good time interviewing her. It was a very, very cool interview. Yes. So leave us a comment on the show notes for episode 60 at SavvyHomeschoolMoms.com forward slash 60. Um, and let us know what you think about Brave Writer and um, anything that Julie Bogart does at Periscope, on her Facebook page, on her website. We'd love to hear what you think. Um, we think Julie's pretty awesome. So we Yeah, we, that was a great interview. We had a really good time doing that. Yeah. And any of you guys who haven't heard of her, her before, we'd especially like to hear what you think. If this is the first time you've heard, from, heard of her before and of Brave Writer... She's pretty awesome. I have a couple of her products, and uh, I've only just started using them, but I can vouch for the fact that they're pretty neat. So check them out. Awesome. Yeah. So if you love our show and would like to contribute to the making of them, you can now sign up for a monetary pledge per show via the crowdfunding site Patreon. You decide how much, and you even get to set a per-month cap. Plus, we have fun rewards for you at each level. For complete information, visit SavvyHomeschoolMoms.com forward slash Patreon, and that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So now it's time for our Books of the Week. 
Becky, what have you guys been reading? Not a lot. Um, <laughs> it's only been two weeks, okay? And um, Danny is still um, steadfastly working her way through The Hobbit. And Jack is reading Who Was Helen Keller. But that's pretty much it for them. <laughs> and I have chewed through a few books. Um, I read, or actually I listened to Library of Souls by Ransom Riggs, which is the third book in the Peculiar Children series. Um, it was really good. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I read The Martian by Andy Weir, which again I mentioned uh, earlier in the show is the one that the, is the new Matt Damon movie. And um, it was amazing. Like I, well, I was so enthusiastically reading it, I missed the exit to Casa de Fruta. So. <laughs> I mean, that's how good it was. And I, like, chewed through it in no time flat. Like, I did not want to put it down. It was so good. And I am currently listening to Welcome to Night Vale by Joseph Fink, the novel. Um, it is read by Cecil Baldwin, which is anyone who knows Night Vale. He is the voice of Night Vale Public Radio. And um, it's really good and really weird. And I'm... I'm like halfway through it and I'm still not quite sure exactly what's going on and I kind of <laughs> like it that way so um that's pretty much it for us um we've been really slow on the books lately how about you guys well so wait library of souls is the peculiar children yeah. that's the one I'm waiting for right now I am on hold or not on hold in line on the library's uh on overdrive right now I think yeah like, that's where I ha that's where I got it from yeah oh did you you download? Uh -huh. I'm I did, and I audiobook. returned it. I promise I returned it the minute I was done with it. I didn't hang on to it. But did you do the audiobook or the e-book? E the audiobook, yeah. Oh, it was the audiobook. Yeah. I think I'm like number five still. I should look. But anyway, I think I'm still like number five. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting for my turn. Moving <laughs> up the line. You what? I said you're slowly moving up the line. Oh, yeah. You were cutting in and out. Oh, apologies. <laughs> Well, it's not your fault. It's Skype. <laughs> Let's see. So, as I said, we finished together. We finished Les Miserables, the children's edition, which is by Victor Hugo originally, but it was rewritten by Matthew Larson. Um, we start, and I also mentioned we started The Lightning Thief, which is book one of the Percy Jackson series. What is that? It's officially not called the Percy Jackson series. What is it called? Like something with... Uh, I have no idea. I cannot remember. Wait, I'll look. It's something... Olympians. Something with the Olympians. Let me see. Ah, Percy Jackson and the Olympians. That's what the official... Oh, that makes more sense, yeah. Yes. Um, by Rick Rorden. And Tieran and I are working on the story of the First World War, which is an Usborne book that we're reading for his um, World War One studies, which is a really good book. Um, working our way through it slowly. Um, and then... Tieran started rereading The Field Guide, which is the first book of the Spiderwick Chronicles by Tony mm -hmm. DiTerlisi. Ter I remembered that I watched a video and learned how to say his name, and now I've forgotten. I think it's DiTerlisi. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I think that's how it is. DiTerlisi. Um, yeah, so he's, he's, he owns the series, the whole series, the Spiderwick Chronicles, the boxed series and um he picked it up started reading it and i keep seeing it laying around the house and he hasn't been reading it recently so <laughs> i need to like stick it in front of him and go read <laughs> but it never seems to work so i don't know we'll see he goes in spurts but anyway so he's um here and there reading that 
Um, and then I haven't really been reading anything. I need to get back into reading The Writer's Jungle, which is a Julie Bogart book. Writer's Jungle, A Survivor's Guide to Writing with Kids is the book that I bought to help me um, with teaching Tyrion about reading, about writing. Um, actually, it's supposed to help for both of my kids, um, but I had purchased it primarily to help Tyrion because I actually purchased another book, the um, Homeschool. Uh, what's it called? Help for homeschool is what I purchased for Maven, which is actually kind of more of a curriculum for her. I think the writer's jungle is more of a of a guide for me to uh, less of a curriculum. Although I haven't gotten very far into it yet, so I can't say for sure. <laughs> um, it may be more of a curriculum. I don't know. <laughs> um, but anyway, I need to. I started it, just very barely started it, and so that's on my list of things to get back to. So. But other than that, we Maven hasn't read anything lately, as far as I, as far as she's told me, and I haven't noticed. And um, we really have not been doing hardly any reading at all lately. So we need to get back on it again because we have gotten completely off track with reading. Yeah, so have we. <laughs> it's just been terrible. I'm trying really hard, but it's just getting books in front of them is difficult at this oh, point. Oh yeah, totally. It's that time of the year too. Everything's just kind of moving slow and. Everything's kind of off right now. Agreed. Well, speaking of books, if you're planning on purchasing any of the books that we just mentioned from Amazon or Audible, please consider clicking through our affiliate links in the sidebar of our website at SavvyHomeschoolMoms.com. We have links to Amazon, Audible, Discount School Supply, Kirkclick, and more. It won't cost you anything extra, and it helps support the show. Yep. So let's see, we have some listeners that we want to give some recognition to. On iTunes, we had a review from iDoc Mama, and that one said, This is a wonderful podcast on homeschooling. I have listened to each of them over the years, and I'm always delighted when a new one is uploaded. This podcast has been an invaluable resource for us as we decided to homeschool and not return my son to public school to the public school system a few years ago. Tina and Becky do a great job at giving us ideas and resources to use. I love their chit-chat, the websites, and book ideas they give us in each podcast. I am a busy working mom, and the information they share has helped us immensely. I am very grateful I found this podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. Thank you. And also on iTunes, we had four in the woods who said... Love the interview with Julie Bogart of Brave Writer. Well, you'll love this episode, too, because it's the second half. Yeah. <laughs> what a find. Thank you so much. I will be referring this writing program to others. As always, thanks for all the work you put into your podcast. Well, you are super welcome. Definitely. Yes. And we got an email from Kristen, who says, I love your podcast. It has helped me feel much more comfortable and confident at the prospect of teaching my children at home. Thank you very much. Thank you. My girls are young, a three-year-old and a five-month-old. And one of my questions is about the merits of teaching cursive before printing. Did you already talk about that? Uh, I think we actually might have slightly touched about it a couple years ago, a long time ago. But it's been a really long time. But let me yeah, read the rest it has of it. Been a yeah, it's time. been a really long time. In some of the research I have done, it seems to be a polarizing topic with no clear answer. One side says it is developmentally advantageous 
while others state that cursive is a huge waste of time and energy with many public schools not teaching it at all. I know this is only really valuable for young students, but I value your opinion and wonder what you think on this topic. Thank you so much for your wonderful podcast. P.S. My baby's name is Maven, and she's a real cutie. Aww. <laughs> what are the odds? And it's spelled <laughs> the same way as my Maven. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, let's see. Well, uh, I when I talked about this before, the only reason that I had brought it up was because I had listened to a podcast with um, uh, where they had interviewed this woman named Liz Fitzgerald, and because of the um, topic of your uh, email, Kristen, that was called Cursive First, I'm guessing you already know about this book, but I'm going to put a link in the show notes called Cursive uh, uh, to the book Cursive First by Liz, Liz Fitzgerald, and that's a book I would recommend checking out um, for information on that side of it, and, and it sounds like you're already familiar with it, so you may, like I said, you may already know about this, but putting link in the show notes, um, and also a link to her interview, because I always find it really interesting to hear directly from the author, um, and it's a, it's a very good interview. I just listened to a little bit of it again today just to refresh my memory. Um, um, and it is uh, an interview by the Homeschool Support Network podcast. Um, I will give a um, heads up to anybody who would want to know this is a Christian podcast. And it does have a lot of, of Christian content in it. Although, as I recall, I, don't, I, I haven't listened to the whole interview um, in a long, long time. So as I recall, I don't think that that interview was particularly full of, it was mostly talking about the Cursive First program. But anyway, for those who want to know, um, there you go. Um, but it is, I found it a very fascinating, fascinating topic. And it was something I had never even heard of before. Before I mentioned it, had you ever heard of it? Anything? No, no, I hadn't even thought about it before you mentioned it. No, I had never, the topic had never, ever come up to me before and I just I mean I had heard of people not teaching cursive but I had always assumed that I would teach cursive and I did I did with Maven and Tyr and I started and we kind of got off and we haven't gotten back onto it again which actually now that you've refreshed my memory I need to get back onto it again <laughs> he has a workbook for it I just need to get it in front of him again um, I don't really have a strong feeling one way or the other so I don't know that my that I'm and Becky and I talked about this before the show. I don't think either, either neither I nor Becky have any strong feelings one way or the other. So <laughs> I don't know that we're really ones to really talk much about this. Um, I would say read that book and then do some Googling and, and research on it. And you said you wanted our opinions, but I don't think we have strong opinions. Yeah, don't so I don't know how much help we are. <laughs> I personally think it's important to learn cursive just so that they can read cursive. That's my opinion. But I don't have any facts or or um, research behind that. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like it's important. I want my kids to be able to um, to be familiar with cursive, to be able to read it. Um, and, and I don't feel like it's a huge, gigantic detriment if they can't write it, although I would like them to be able to write it. I don't know why. <laughs> I just feel, <laughs> like I w I feel like I would like them to be able to write it. So if they want to write it, they can. But I don't feel like it's a huge, gigantic deal if they don't. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> if that makes any sense. But my big thing is that I want them to be able to read it. Because there are some funky letters in cursive. <laughs> there are, yes. And I, <laughs> I agree with you wholeheartedly that being able to read it is very important. But Danielle wanted to learn to write it, so 
I, I got her a book. She taught herself to write it. But other than that, mm. I mean, I, as far as it being a dead way of writing, I don't know that I agree 100% with that. I mean, I can totally understand why people say that. Yes, everybody's typing nowadays, but I don't know. It, it's a faster way of writing. Uh, so if you like writing in cursive, great. You know? Yeah. It's definitely a faster way of writing. Um but I don't know. My, the way I write is a combination of print and cursive. So Yeah, me too. <laughs> when, when your child ends up growing up and write, the way that they end up writing could be, could be a combination of the two. So who knows, you know, because everybody comes, ends up creating their own style of writing. So who yep, knows? We what make our thing. own font. Yeah. So who knows what they'll end up writing. So I don't know that it really matters that way, one way or the other. But I don't have any research behind it. And I haven't researched it myself. So... I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. <laughs> so take it with a grain of salt yes. and maybe look up the books and um, good luck. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, it's an interesting topic. And if anybody else has any, any uh, opinions on it, we'd love to hear it. So put yeah, it in the show notes, make a comment on, on episode 60 and let us know what you think. So <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. So I think that was, I think that was everything. I think so. Alright, so if you like our show, please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends all about us. For links to resources shared on this episode and a view notes on all of our shows, you can visit us on the web at SavvyHomeschoolMoms.com and you can find show notes specific to this episode at SavvyHomeschoolMoms.com forward slash 60. And while you're on our site, you can drop us a note or a voicemail and let us know if you have any ideas for show topics or guests. And hey, Tina, congratulations on 60 episodes. Oh, yay! You too! <laughs> we made it to another nice round number. I like round, round numbers. Oh, yeah. Well, goodbye, everybody. Have a great week and come back and take a break again with us next time. Yep. Goodbye. Bye. I'm Tina. I'm Becky. And, and we're, we're the, the Savvy, savvy oh, Homeschooled. up already. <laughs> really? Goodness gracious. I have to pause. I might have to. Can you hear that? my dog (laughs) (laughs) my dog is over there hacking up a lung (laughs) oh that's what that is (laughs) okay I'm sorry I'm recording a podcast okay Uh, (laughs) I just I feel very off today I apologize okay (laughs) I just completely (laughs) so (laughs) so (laughs) so (laughs) 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 (laughs)